Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Justin Boone. I'm the lead fantasy analyst at the Score, and riding alongside me today is the Score's David P. Woods, a man who is tired of seeing NFL defenses do the group picture celebration. We saw it about a million times today. Pretty much any time a defense gets a turnover, they sprint to the end of the field pose as a group, and Woods, based on your tweets today, it seemed like you just want them to get off your damn lawn. Yeah, I guess I'm a curmudgeon here. I don't know. It almost makes me yearn for the old days of the No Fun League when you couldn't really celebrate. I'm just sick of seeing it. That celebration takes forever. Every single player runs all the way down to one end of the field, and they all just stand there and do the same thing we've seen a million times. I like fun, creative celebrations. I'm just very sick of that one. And I, it honestly seems like we're not far away from a world where every single sack that happens, the entire defense runs to the other end of the field and poses. It, it, that's what it feels like, at least. But I, I, I'm done with that one. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I just let them have some fun, right? Like, I'm totally fine with celebrations. I'm so glad that they can do the big group celebrations now. I do see a time down the road where this could get annoying, and it did happen a lot today, so maybe you're just a little further down the road than I am on this one. Just set a limit, time limit on them, or a maximum number of players, or something like that. I, I don't, they gotta come up with a new rule to prevent this group celebration. Let, we gotta start getting fans involved even more. Like, let's just go down that road. Let's go even crazier with it. Yeah, I like it when they have fun, get props, show me something I haven't seen before. Alright, well, as you know, today's episode is the Sunday recap, so we're gonna go over all the notable fantasy t- takeaways from Sunday's action, including Lamar Jackson's first start and how that impacted the Ravens offense and some young receivers around the league who were breaking out, had really big days. And unfortunately, when we talk about the injury roundup, we do have one gruesome injury to discuss. Then to wrap it all up, I'm going to give you an early look at this week's top waiver wire ads at each position. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. And if you already are, drop a rating and a review on there. And while we're on the subject of subscribing to podcasts, you should be checking out some of the other great podcasts on the Score Podcast Network, like Pound the Rock, our NBA show, or Expand the Zone, our MLB show. So Woods, let's get to it. The biggest storyline for fantasy this week was definitely Lamar Jackson getting his first start. Joe Flacco dealing with the hip injury. You don't want to see that. And the Ravens weirdly tried to be secretive like all week and act like nobody knew who the starter was going to be. But it was pretty clear that they were going to go with their first round pick as the starter. I had him ranked as a a mid-range QB2 all week. Seems like he's going to finish as maybe a borderline QB1. It's going to depend on the the Sunday-nighter and the Monday-nighters go. I'm expecting at least Mahomes and Goff on Monday-night are probably going to crack the top 12 or the top 10. But we saw with Jackson, the rushing ability is, it's just like a fantasy cheat code, right? And I know Rich Rebar, Roto World, he's dubbed it the Konami code in the past and I think we saw that in action today, right? It was Jackson just, he wasn't that great from a real life perspective. He's got a long way to go when it comes to being a good quarterback, but we saw today 150 passing yards, no touchdowns and a pick. But on the other hand, 27 rushes and 117 rushing yards. Woods, I was trying to think, I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback rush 27 times in an NFL game before. That put him right into the top 10 and he didn't have any touchdowns in the game. That, that's crazy. It shows you just how valuable rushing quarterbacks could be. If you add a touchdown to his totals today, 
that would vault him right up around the top five. The reports Sunday morning were that, you know, Flacco's going to have a chance to be back in a couple weeks. We don't really know how the team's going to proceed at that point. I mean, you know, Jackson's going to get another nod next week, we think, in a a really good matchup going up against the Raiders. He's only 18% owned, too, so... I scooped him up everywhere I could last week, and I would once again advise fantasy owners to go get him this week. You for sure get a a solid one-week streamer. You might get a borderline QB1 the rest of the way if the Ravens decide to stick with him. Yeah, you certainly put up big numbers today. I kind of see this as lightning striking, and I I don't think it can continue. I mean, he took 27 carries today. We don't see that from top running backs, that kind of workload, and Jackson's a 212-pound quarterback, so I don't see that sustainable. I don't think the Ravens want to run their first-round pick out there 27 times a game and let him take hits on that pretty slight frame. But it, it worked today. The Bengals probably should have seen it coming, probably should have done a better job defending it. But, I mean, Jackson's dynamic in, in space. And I, as you said, next week, I, I'm not sure the Raiders are going to be able to slow him down either. So maybe you get another week of this. But sort of what we expected happened. I mean, Jackson just doesn't look polished at all as a passer. His interception was really bad. Uh, didn't throw a touchdown. But they just sort of turned him loose and said, run with it almost every play, it felt like at times. And yeah, he turned out a lot of yards. So as long as that continues, I think you probably have, like you said, about a borderline fantasy QB1. I just really don't see it as sustainable beyond maybe another couple weeks here. I think the Ravens are going to want Joe Flacco back in there as soon as he's healthy, whether that's in two weeks or three weeks. And I don't think that the plan for Lamar Jackson for his career is to be running 20 plus times a game. I think this is just sort of a, they have no other option right now. They got to put in their first round pick. It would be very weird not to. And this is all Jackson can do. He can throw a few passes, not be a great passer, but he can really run. So why not use it and try to win some games? I mean, the Ravens are in a playoff race. And it got them the win. I think it's going to be interesting to see how he develops from this week to next week because he's going to have a chance to go look at the film, to see some of his mistakes. You mentioned the the interception was really bad. I also think when you're talking about you know 27 rushing attempts, one of the other things I noticed is that he seemed to be keeping the ball far more than he should have. I think he could have, on some of those option plays, he could have let the running back take the ball on some of those. There was lanes there. There's a lot of opportunity. I think maybe it was just more comfortable for him often to take it himself, or maybe he wanted to have a a big day in his debut here. But I, I think moving forward, we will see less rushes from him. But even so, if he's putting up 60, 70, 80 rushing yards... That's still huge, right? It's not going to be 117, maybe. Those are still big numbers, and it, it makes you wonder how you know he's going to continue to impact this offense. As expected, I mean, the, the passing volume completely disappeared, as, as you mentioned. I mean, I bumped John Brown down, got him down into like the wide receiver three range uh, before the games once we knew for sure that Jackson was going to start. Crabtree went from wide receiver three to wide receiver four. That really wasn't enough. I mean, each of those guys only caught one pass, No one in the passing game really did much of anything, but in the rushing game, that's where we knew he was going to make an impact, and dual threat quarterbacks mean great things for rushing attacks. That put Alex Collins into a great spot going up against this Bengals defense. I thought at worst, maybe, you know, Buck Allen could steal a little bit of work or in a crazy scenario, maybe they just let Ty Montgomery take everything. The the new guy, you know, they acquired him via trade. Maybe he was going to get a chance to take on a bigger role. Nope. None of those guys really did that much. I mean, we saw Collins only had seven carries for 18 yards and a touchdown. It was Gus Edwards who had been serving as the number three back recently. Somehow he led the backfield 17 carries, 
115 yards. They went with the hot hand approach, and and Edwards definitely was deserving. I'm I'm not saying anything there. He's a bigger back, 6'1", 238 pounds. Maybe they just feel like that's something they've been missing. I'm not happy about it, though, because I'd been touting Collins a lot recently, not just for this week, but for the rest of the season. Like Their schedule is fantastic. Raiders, Falcons, Chiefs, Bucks over the next month. That was in addition to this game against the Bengals. And now, unfortunately, I mean, we can't really be sure who's going to start week to week, but Edwards is going to have to be added everywhere. Yeah, I, I didn't see it coming either. I think we could have probably said pretty conclusively that the Ravens weren't happy with their rushing attack because, like you said, they went out and traded for Ty Montgomery. And I guess it was simply a riding the hot hand here, and Edwards seemed to have it. Collins got out to kind of a slow start. Like you said, he had the touchdown, but he just wasn't rushing for a high yards per carry average. He didn't seem to be creating anything. Edwards sort of got going, but... It's very hard for me to say that Edwards is is the man in this backfield now because I just don't think he's a great player. I mean, he didn't really do much in college. He a very low-level prospect, undrafted, and really his best attribute is that he just sort of looks like a big, powerful running back. And he did sort of run like one today. So uh, he'll certainly be a hot waiver wire ad this week because there really just isn't a ton else out there. And the Ravens have such a great schedule that if Edwards keeps this job, uh, he'll, he'll be quite an asset. But... Uh, my best guess is that they'll give Collins a chance to sort of establish himself again next week, but maybe it'll be a really short leash, and if Edwards is again the hot hand, it'll be another 17 to 20 carries for Edwards. Edwards is going to be one of the top pickups for sure, and I think you're just not getting a guaranteed commodity there, right? Like you talked about, you're getting a guy who has a chance each week to produce, and we're not sure if it's going to be him or not, but just with that schedule and at this time of the year when there's not that many great options on the waiver wire, barring some big injuries, he's going to be a guy that's going to have to get scooped up and that people are going to bid pretty big numbers on. And I think rightfully so, because there's just not that much time left. Take a shot on a guy with a really good schedule in an offense that if they do stick with Lamar Jackson, it's going to have a very strong rushing attack. And even if they go back to Flacco in a couple of weeks with that schedule, probably still have a pretty good rushing attack the rest of the way. I I will say, though, I mean, it's nice to see young guys like Jackson and Edwards emerging, right? Or or just, you know, the start of, of something great, the start of their careers. I think we're seeing that with a few receivers as well this week who had really big days. Traquan Smith and DJ Moore oddly had identical 157 yard one touchdown performances which is kind of strange Smith did it on 10 catches more just seven but huge days from both the rookies there Kenny Galladay not a rookie but with Marvin Jones inactive with Golden Tate traded away wow he was just a target monster in this one 14 passes sent his way turned that into eight receptions 113 yards and a score and not quite as big but still notable Christian Kirk of the Cardinals He posted 77 yards and a touchdown. Most of it came on a 59-yard TD, but still another good outing for him. He's had a few of those recently. Cortland Sutton, 78 yards. Kiki Cutie, 77 yards. Some of these guys, it's been a steady climb. Others, I think, have been a little bit more surprising. For more, the Panthers, over their last three games, we've seen more really start to get more work, at least more passes sent his way. Moore and Funches were tied for the team lead with 13 targets. Neither of them really did all that much. I mean, three weeks ago, Moore had a 90-yard game, but he really disappeared over the last two weeks. Funches seems to have been quiet ever since Greg Olson came back. We know he's always had an issue there when Olson's been in the lineup, at least for his ceiling. Moore's a first-round talent, though, and this wouldn't be the first time that we saw a first-round talent 
come on down the stretch, you know, really start to develop, start to get a little more comfortable in the pro game. And they have a great schedule, especially in the playoffs. Traquan Smith has just been sitting there just waiting to erupt, right? It's been a mix of bad opponents and bad game scripts, and it just hasn't happened for him since that Monday night game. I think he's a guy who, especially at home, he's going to be a good fantasy starter moving forward. You're going to look at him like we used to look at Ted Ginn, where he would sneak into that wide receiver three range in a good matchup at home on the quick surface. When they're away from, from New Orleans, maybe a little bit more difficult to trust him, but he's definitely a young star in an offense where they really need him to come on. Galladay's just unbelievable. I mean, the volume went away for a little while there. It was kind of strange, but just a, a superstar, or at least a budding superstar here. Just a matter of time before he's flirting with weekly wide receiver one numbers in fantasy. I think it, you know, if Marvin Jones stays out of the lineup here, I think the rest of the way we're probably going to see Galladay be around that range. I had him as a high end uh, wide receiver too this week. For Kirk, Sutton, for for Cutie, they're going to be a little more volatile, but they're all going to be in that wide receiver three mix every week, I think. Yeah, I'm excited about all these guys. There's just a lot of young receiving talent in the league, and maybe we can add Anthony Miller to this list. I mean, we always record this this Sunday night recap show during Sunday night football. I see he has a touchdown already, so maybe by the end of this podcast, he'll have another one there. Some of it was maybe a perfect storm for these guys. Traquan Smith, I mean, just really feasted on a very banged-up Eagles secondary, so that certainly boosted his numbers, but I thought he looked really good today. I mean, I think he's better than Ted Ginn, certainly, so I I can be really excited about him, and like you said, I think he'll be a little better at home, but maybe on the road, too, there. Galladay, yeah, I mean, he also benefited immensely from Marvin Jones being out of the lineup, but the Lions need to keep throwing passes to that guy because he's just very, very good, and the future of that team, basically, and and perhaps on the verge of sort of a Michael Thomas-like leap, I mean, they're sort of similar players in some ways, where next year we might be talking about Galladay's, you know, scoring a touchdown a week, basically, and he's uncoverable. I think he has that kind of ability. The Lions need to just keep peppering him targets, so there's just, there are a lot of, of, of exciting young receivers in this league, and yeah, certainly this week, uh, they were at the forefront. Well, the biggest surprise of Week 11, for sure, was that the Buccaneers had to pull their starting quarterback again. Wasn't that just a huge shock for you, Woods? I mean, another situation where their quarterback throws a ton of interceptions, turns the ball over a million times, and they have to make a switch there. I was actually kind of surprised, though. So Fitzpatrick threw the three interceptions. I kept thinking, I thought they were just going to stick with him, though. I I didn't think that they were going to go to Jameis just because the risk that if Jameis comes into the game and gets hurt, he's going to have a guaranteed contract next season. So I was very surprised. I mean, were you also shocked by that, Woods? I'm, I'm a little surprised. I wouldn't say I'm shocked because I just think that that's a franchise that's clearly just careening out of control and a coach who probably knows he's getting fired and he just really has no more cards to play. So he's just sort of playing the same two cards over and over. But I don't know what we expect to change this time with Winston. I mean, he was like leading the NFL in interceptions despite playing only half the games when they benched him for Fitzpatrick. And I, I think next week for Winston, we might just see more interceptions. And then the week after that, we're going back to Fitzpatrick because I, what other options do they even have? I, they, I don't think either of those guys is the future of that franchise. I think they're very likely to be looking for a quarterback this offseason. Maybe Winston has a, some amount of trade value. So this is a last-ditch effort for him to look kind of okay for the final stretch of the season. And they can flip him for something because I, I would be stunned if he could do anything for the rest of November and through December that that would earn him that undisputed starting job in 2019. But, I mean, Fitzpatrick's 
unlikely to be in the NFL next year. So I guess maybe you just see if Winston's anything. But yeah, there's that risk of the injury. Apparently the Buccaneers aren't that concerned about it. How bad was that one just duck prayer toss to the end zone that Fitzpatrick threw? It was just like straight up in the air. It was one of the worst passes I think I've ever seen. And maybe that was the turning point there. You just can't leave him out there after that. It was just brutal. I mean, this is just always what it's been with Fitzpatrick. He has moments of sort of gunslinging brilliance where I just think it's almost like just a coin toss. Yeah, he got lucky and it was caught for a touchdown. He just, he makes decisions that aren't, high percentage plays he just sort of throws the ball up and hopes for big things and sometimes it works out and often it doesn't and why should we expect anything different and honestly Jameis Winston is not all that different of a quarterback so it doesn't really change the fortunes of the rest of the Buccaneers fantasy players significantly I don't think well that's the weird thing right I mean I will say right now that when we get to the waiver wire section later in this podcast I am not going to mention either of these guys. I don't care who's starting for the Bucks at this point. We're going to continue to start our Bucks players because there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of value there. But we just can't trust these guys in our lineups anymore. I wouldn't even roster them at this point. There's, there's too much variance. The highs could be weak winning. The lows are just these soul-crushing you know, weeks that sewer your team completely. So I'm done with Jameis and Fitzpatrick until further notice, until we see something miraculous change the situation. But you're going to continue to roll out Mike Evans. Even Peyton Barber also broke 100 yards today. OJ Howard at 78 yards. Chris Godwin continues to put up, you know, around 50 yards and, you know, has a good shot at a touchdown. Didn't have one today, but seems to be a guy who can produce around the, the red zone. So you're still going to play your Buck skill position players, but definitely, definitely not their quarterback anymore. All right, let's run through some of the quick hits from Sunday. Andrew Luck continues to be amazing. I mean, he posted his seventh straight game with three or more touchdown passes. All that production, though, didn't help Eric Ebron. I mean, he didn't see a target in this game. He did throw an incomplete pass to Andrew Luck, which was kind of funny. Props to Luck, who completely laid out to try to catch the pass, too. He, he didn't get it, but at least he tried. But we warned everybody about Ebron over the last few weeks. Once Jack Doyle came back into the lineup, Ebron snaps and his usage dropped. And he shocked us with that three touchdown game last week, but that is the complete ceiling. I think Woods, you even said that. I think we talked about the fact that it just can't get any better than that. And the floor on him at this point is what we saw today, that there is a possibility that when you're not getting that much work in the offense, you can go out there and not even get targeted at all. So Ebron's going to continue to be a touchdown dependent high end tight end two. I would say he's probably still going to stay in that range. It is a productive offense but not a guy that you're really going to want to trust week to week. Doyle had four for 43 this week. I still think he's the Colts tight end to own. And I know maybe the upside isn't as sexy. You might not have those games that Ebron was having earlier in the season when Ebron was playing by himself there, but Doyle's going to be a guy who can go out and could put up more consistent numbers. And he is the lead tight end in that offense. Yeah. I mean, Ebron had three targets last week and came out of that game with three touchdowns. So he's just dealing with such thin margins where the drop from three targets to no targets this week just isn't that significant. And so we shouldn't be surprised that he didn't have a catch in this one. I've tried to think of a comparable for him. I I mean, I sort of like, it's different than this, but you know, sort of like, remember John Kuhn, that Packers fullback, like he would just sort of come into games and get a touchdown and he would not really do much else, but then maybe in the second half, get another touchdown and not really do anything else. I don't think Ebron's quite that, but he's almost just like a gadget player for the Colts who don't really have a lot of great receivers beyond T.Y. Hilton, so they use him sort of in the red zone. I I know Ebron gets a few targets outside the red zone from time to time, but... 
I, you probably don't want to start a gadget player in your fantasy lineup and don't go chasing last week's production and wouldn't be stunned if Ebron scores another touchdown next week. But I just I think you can generally find a more consistent option. And yeah, I, I agree. I'd rather play Doyle. Julio Jones, he had his third straight game with a TD. After that first one a couple weeks ago, Woods, I asked you if, you know, were the floodgates going to open? Well, they have positive regression at its best, and Julio's just killing it this year. Fifth straight game with over 100 yards. He's done that in 7 of 10 this season. Phenomenal season for one of the, the best in the game. Same could be said for Ezekiel Elliott. He's got the Cowboys offense on his back right now. The line's a little bit healthier, so that's helping. And Zeke is just powering this offense. He had over 200 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown today. So far, the only running back this week that's bested him is Saquon Barkley. Barkley at 152 yards, but scored three times. We still have Gurley and Hunt to go on Monday night, so there might be a little more competition for that top spot, but huge days from both Barkley and Elliott. And when it comes to Barkley, it's really nice to see the Giants offense still fighting out there. We had that question in the Week 11 preview podcast about you know whether fantasy owners can trust teams that don't have that much to play for. And I know technically the Giants are still in it, because when you're in the NFC East, you're always still in it, but... I think when you look at the Giants, they're a team that is going to continue to produce. We've seen Beckham today had a pretty good game, 85 yards and a touchdown. The big game from Barkley, Evan Ingram, 66 yards. He's making his way back, getting back to form after that early season injury. And don't look now, but Eli Manning has multiple touchdowns in two straight games Has another good matchup next week against the Eagles. The Eagles had the banged up secondary He's going to be in the waiver wire section a little bit later, as shocking as that is. I also want to mention, too, and I saw this a lot on on Sunday, and I see this every single week, but I think fantasy owners need to relax a little bit when it comes to the early games on Sundays, because we saw some players today like Cam and, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, even really all the Steelers struggle in the first half of their games, and fantasy owners really jump on them at that point, but can't go too crazy with it because we saw them come out in the second half, really right the ship. Cam had over 300 yards and three scores. Ben had over 300 yards and three scores. Ben actually led the comeback, and the Steelers ended up winning. So uh, on Sundays, don't freak out over one bad half. I even tell people, don't even check your fantasy lineups until the second half of those early games. Just enjoy the games. Stress down the stretch, stress when you need that last touchdown or, you know, that last five yards to to get the win in your matchup. Don't stress at one o'clock because, you know, your guy threw an early interception or the stats aren't great going into half. I think you're right. I mean, maybe the the real advice would be just don't watch the games because Ben Roethlisberger did not play very well today through three picks and sort of, you know, his fantasy numbers benefited greatly from some mistakes. James Conner dropped a touchdown right at the end of the game, allowing Ben to sort of run it in himself. So that boosts his fantasy numbers. I mean, all that matters is the final stat line and, and Roethlisberger's is good, but I, I don't think he played particularly well today, but that's fantasy football. Sometimes the, the fantasy numbers are, are look better than the real world, world numbers look. Well, we've reached the part of the podcast that we hate. It's the injury roundup. And we have to start with a bad one off the top. 33 years to the day that Joe Theismann broke his leg in that Monday nighter. The current Redskins QB, Alex Smith, broke his leg, fractured fibula and tibia. His season's done. We definitely wish him a speedy recovery. For fantasy owners, it doesn't really change that much, though. Smith was a game manager this year, right? Cole McCoy should be able to come in and replicate 
most of what Smith was doing in this offense. I mean, we're not really investing in that passing attack anyway. Maybe this could even help, you know, kickstart Jordan Reed a little bit. We saw Reed catch a touchdown from McCoy in the game today. The offense is really just, you know, Peterson, and then they're going to try to play defense and stay in games to allow Peterson to continue to produce. And he's really the only guy that you're going to want to start. I suppose people are going to have to start Reed at this point. Had a decent game this week. Was all right last week as well. Maybe coming on a little bit here, but not a lot of options in this offense that you're going to want to use. So the Smith injury doesn't affect fantasy owners that much. I think I agree. It's sad to see Alex Smith get hurt just because you know, I, th- I think he's a, an interesting guy who takes a lot of crap that he probably doesn't deserve most of it. But yeah, he, he, he's he been overlooked by fantasy owners for years now, and that's not really going to change because he's just not a great fantasy quarterback. And I think now it's really going to be just not a great fantasy offense, which was already sort of the case. Maybe it's kind of good for Adrian Peterson where they maybe lean on him even a little more than they were, but I'm not sure he can handle a whole lot more at his age and sort of at his health. So there's, it just, it's weird to say that a, a big starting quarterback in the NFL would suffer a season ending injury and it would be largely a fantasy non story, but that's kind of what this is. So maybe the biggest takeaway is just like, a real world takeaway, which is that Alex Smith is sort of proof that you should get your money when you can in the NFL. I mean, he signed a huge contract in the offseason. I think he has like 70 million guaranteed. So he's going to have to heal up and he'll be the Redskins starting quarterback next season, certainly. So we'll probably be saying the same things at this time next year where, you know, sort of stay away from this Redskins passing attack. There's not a lot of fantasy value there. We're going to get a nice close look at McCoy during the Thanksgiving matchup against the Cowboys on Thursday, though, so that should be fun. Uh, on Johnson left Sunday's game with a knee injury. He's going to go for an MRI on Monday. The early diagnosis, though, was a knee sprain and not an ACL tear, so hopefully some good news there. We're going to have to wait in the results of the MRI Monday, though, before we can breathe a complete sigh of relief. Marcus Mariota went down again. He injured the elbow on his throwing arm. We haven't seen an update on this yet, but... Comes at a time when the offense was just starting to improve with Mariota healthy. We know with Blaine Gabbard under center, it puts a damper on all the Titans fantasy options. So hopefully Mariota is going to be able to get back on the field. We also mentioned OJ Howard earlier. He hurt his ankle late in that game. Didn't return. If he were out, Cameron Brait comes back to relevance. Jumps right into the fantasy mix as a borderline tight end one. Definitely a strong streaming option. We're going to bring him up in a little bit. The Raiders receiving core has just been decimated this year. We saw veteran Brandon LaFell go down. He's feared to have ruptured his Achilles today. Not much of a fantasy impact there, but another loss for that offense. And the Colts lost their center. Ryan Kelly today suffered a knee injury. Took him out of that game, but hopefully he's going to get back as well because that line's been playing just fantastic this year. It would be really unfortunate to see him miss time. So a mix of injuries there, Woods. Obviously, the Alex Smith one was really serious. Hopefully, we have a chance that the others won't be that serious. Any any thoughts on any of those? I'm a little worried about carry on there. It just didn't have a great look to it there. And I've said on the podcast before, they, they can diagnose ACL injuries pretty confidently on the field before you go for the MRI. They usually know by Sunday night if you're out for the season. But that's if it's torn 
that they they just do the MRI to confirm it, but occasionally they won't think it's torn, and then the MRI will reveal that it is torn. We sort of saw that with uh, Darius Geis in the preseason, where it seemed like maybe he would be all right, and then they went for the further testing, and they found that it was torn. So I'm a little concerned for that with Carry On, and even if it isn't, like he has a sprained knee, so that means some sort of a tear, probably an MCL injury w- would be the most common one that isn't an ACL. And at this point in the fantasy season. There's honestly not a huge difference for for a redraft fantasy owner because an MCL injury could mean, you know, four weeks out, two, three or four weeks out, and by that point you're butting up against the fantasy playoffs and maybe you're eliminated. So we may not see carry-on for a while, and unfortunately that's another injury that's going to affect what's looking like a less and less exciting Thanksgiving slate because the Lions are just nowhere near as interesting an offense without carry-on Johnson. If you look at the numbers, I mean, he's rushing at like twice the efficiency of the other backs in that backfield, and now we're going to get to see LeGarrette Blunt on Thanksgiving, so uh, have fun with that, everyone. Well, we hate to see the injuries, but they are part of the game at this point in the season, so make sure you're checking the score app for all the latest on all of those guys who got injured this week. Last but not least, Woods... It's time for the early look at the waiver wire pickups as we head into week 12. And as I said before, it's Thanksgiving week, so make sure you have your lineup set on Thursday. Don't leave any stars on your bench. That is such a rookie mistake if you do that. We'll start at quarterback Lamar Jackson. It's right where the episode began, and we're back here. Gets the Raiders this week. We just saw Josh Rosen throw three touchdowns against them on Sunday. It's another good matchup for Jackson. It's going to be a borderline at quarterback one in my rankings, especially with Mahomes and Goff on bye this week. Eli Manning, it's crazy to say, but he is back and he should be started as a streamer in fantasy lineups. Gets the Eagles. There's just so many injuries in that Eagles secondary. And we're seeing Eli get the job done. Multiple touchdown passes and back-to-back games. And it definitely helps to have one of the the best sets of skill position players in the NFL around you. So he's going to be in the fantasy mix. Dak Prescott didn't have a really big day today. He's going to be playing on Thanksgiving against the Redskins. But Dak did find the, the end zone again on the ground. He continues to do that, keep up his fantasy production. He also had a solid day against Washington in Week 7. Had 273 passing yards, 33 rushing yards, and two scores, including one which was also on the ground. I'm expecting similar numbers this time out, so that makes him a nice streamer. A little bit deeper, Baker Mayfield gets the Bengals. You know, we didn't see Lamar Jackson do that much through the air against the Bengals, but they are not a scary pass defense, so Mayfield can definitely exploit them. And for the gamblers among you, Nick Mullins is a deep option. Uh, The matchup is going to be really good. He gets the Buccaneers, and we saw him take advantage of a good matchup in his first start when he went against the Raiders. So it's not somebody I want to trust in my lineups, but in deep leagues, you might need to risk it, and Mullins could have a good day. For running backs, we're going to start with Gus Edwards. The Ravens are probably going to control that game against the Raiders next week, so That means plenty of opportunities for the rushing attack. And Edwards, I think, is going to have first crack. I know, you know, Woods, you said maybe it's going to be Alex Collins. We don't really know for sure. But coming off this game, you would think that they're going to give Edwards a chance to get going again to continue that hot hand approach at the start of that game. At least they'll probably give everyone a run. And if he continues to produce like he did today, he's probably going to be the guy who gets the most carries in that backfield again. So someone that you need to go bid on. And like I said earlier, I think you got to bid on him pretty aggressively just at the chance that he ends up emerging as the lead back here, given their schedule the rest of the way. And given the fact that there's not that many chances to pick up really, really impactful fantasy players the rest of the season here. Uh, Josh Adams of the Eagles, 
He's 32% owned right now. I've recommended him the last couple weeks, especially after Doug Peterson admitted they were going to give him more work. I was a little worried about the matchup this week. They were going up against the Saints. Really strong run defense. They also got blown out in this game. And he still had 53 rushing yards, only had seven carries because of the blowout. He found the end zone and he added three catches for 19 yards. And that might be the biggest positive to take away here because he seemed to be a guy who was just going to work on the ground, wasn't really going to do much in the passing game. But to see him getting some receiving work is very, very positive for his fantasy outlook. I like Adams as a quality RB3 flex play with RB2 upside moving forward. Elijah McGuire coming off the bye. Don't forget about him. He showed signs that he could be the Jets' lead back the rest of the way. He should be owned everywhere. Jalen Richard, 44% owned. He racked up 93 yards and 14 touches in the win over the Cardinals today. It's not ideal to invest in Raiders, that's for sure. But even in a winning game script, the team divided the carries evenly, and we know Richard gets the most receiving work in that group. So, that gives him the biggest upside of anyone in that backfield, I think, moving forward. And in a matchup with a tough Ravens D next week, their only chance is going to be to move the ball through the air out of that backfield, I think. So Richard will be a flex option. Royce Freeman, I've talked about him for the last week or so. He made his return to the lineup today. We weren't expecting big things in the first game back. He had eight touches. 30 yards. He did find the end zone. That continues to be his calling card. He keeps getting into the end zone. Right now, he's still just going to be a TD dependent flex play, but in the fantasy playoffs, the Broncos get the 49ers, the Browns, and the Raiders on their schedule. And I think if if something happened to Philip Lindsay, Freeman could have league winning upside during that stretch. Woods, we talked about it with Carrion Johnson going down. If he's going to miss time, LeGarrette Blunt and Theo Riddick have to be picked up everywhere. We don't think the injury is serious. Hopefully it's not going to be season ending, but that would put both those guys into the mix for fantasy. Blunt's going to continue to be the hammer. We know the roles that they play in this offense. Blunt doesn't have that much left in the tank though, so the upside is very limited there, but he would have the goal line work, so that would come with some value. Riddick is definitely the more dynamic pass catching threat. It was a little disappointing today, but they've shown they've been using him as a receiver out wide, not just coming out of the backfield. You'd have to think that would continue. Austin Eckler, the, the Chargers get the Cardinals next week. If the Cardinals lost to the Raiders, I mean, I can't imagine what the Chargers are going to do to them. That means there's definitely a blow-up potential, which means Melvin Gordon might not see much work in the second half of this one, and that could really lead to Eckler putting up some good numbers. Moving to wide receiver, the guys we talked about earlier, DJ Moore, Traquan Smith, Christian Kirk, Kiki Cutie, all under 40% owned still. I would want to roster them in that order. I think they're all going to have a lot of value as borderline wide receiver threes with some upside. We could see a guy like DJ Moore really come on and become maybe even a wide receiver two down the stretch here. Cortland Sutton as well. He's owned in a few more leagues, 56% owned, but the same goes for him. If he's still out there, you have to grab him. Anthony Miller, I was going to wait until now to talk about him, Woods, but he's currently playing in the Sunday Nighter, so anything's possible here. An injury could happen later in the game, but he was another player that I was high on before the season, and I'm really high on right now. Just an excellent route runner and a player who could step up and become a legitimate number two option for Mitch Trubisky in that offense. Marquise Goodwin, he's 41% owned. He's coming off a bye, has a great matchup against the Bucks. Had four catches for 69 yards before his week off. And 
We know with a guy like him, it only takes one play in order to have a big day. Kenny Stills is another deep play threat. Same sort of thing there. He's one of the, the last men standing in that Dolphins wide receiver core. The talent is there if he can get the targets, and maybe more specifically, if he can get the quality targets, which is always going to be a problem with Brock Osweiler under center. But Stills does have a lot of talent there, and we've seen him produce in the past. For tight end, I mean, it's been a wasteland at tight end outside of the top guys. Most weeks, all it takes is a touchdown to get into the tight end one ranks in fantasy. So let's look at some guys. There's still a few out there who you could pick up. Cameron Brait, who we talked about, if Howard misses time, Brait is right back on the fantasy radar as a potential starter. Jonu Smith, he's finally starting to come alive, and we're going to have to wait and see what happens with this Mariota injury, but Smith has a couple touchdowns over his last three games, had six catches for 44 yards this week. The injury to Mariota would hurt his outlook, but he definitely has streaming capability. We really thought it was going to happen before this. We thought when Delaney Walker went down, that was going to be the time when Smith stepped up. Took a little while, but seems like now he's getting there. And Chris Herndon of the Jets, it's been a little more volatile. He's another guy we've seen find the end zone a little bit, put up some usable fantasy weeks. As a rookie, he might continue to improve as the season goes on here as well. So with more reps, he could become even better down the stretch, maybe even a little bit more consistent. Make sure you are checking the score app every single day for all our fantasy content, including the full waiver wire column that goes up Monday night. And before you set your waiver wire ads on Tuesday, consult the early edition of my rankings. It'll give you a better feel for how I'm looking at the players heading into week 12. And that becomes even more valuable with three games on Thursday for Thanksgiving. Woods and I are going to be back on Wednesday to preview all the week 12 action. We're coming down the stretch run here and we're going to help you set yourself up for a playoff run. Until then, you should be following Woods on Twitter at David P. Woods. You can come find me at Justin Boone. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight, I said leave on time.